This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. It's Behind Enemy Lines here on the Blood Red podcast as we look ahead to Liverpool's Champions League tie with Atalanta, Milan, Turin, Rome, Naples and Florence. The Reds have seen and stopped off at a number of Italy's footballing heavyweights. Yet tonight they'll stamp a new stamp in Liverpool's passport of European travel as they head to Bergamo. Coming up, we'll get an understanding of Atalanta, who the key players are, how they've risen from relative obscurity to become one of the cool kids on the European stage and whether or not Jurgen Klopp could have met his match in Gian Piero Gasparini. Joining myself, Guy Clark, to do all of that is Joe Donoghue from Scouted Football, who uh, so expertly summarised FC Midtjylland for us last week on the Blood Red podcast. We've asked him back to uh, give us the lowdown on Atalanta. Joe, how are you? Hi, Guy. I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, nice little introduction there. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me for, for having me back on um, after the little mid-Atlant stint. But uh, yeah, it's good to good to hopefully get chatting about Atalanta. Yeah, on Atalanta, as I say, they are one of the sort of side to over the last sort of three or four seasons within Italian football, or whether it be sort of some of their European exploits, have won plenty of the neutrals over. Yourself, just how much admiration do you have for Atalanta? Well, I think the the thing that's endearing about Atalanta is that, like you said in the introduction there, they've never been one of Italy's big boys. You know, they've never won Serie A. They've won Coppa Italia once. So they're not a club steeped in history. You know, I think even their, um, the, the capacity of their stadium is something similar to that of Wigan's DW Stadium. So they're not a, they're not a, a big club, but in Bergamo, uh, where they're from, you know, they are absolutely massive. Um, the club is, the, the fan base is incredibly passionate. Um, but I think, you know, going into the, the forays, going into um, European football in recent seasons has to be down to, to Gasparini. You know, he's, he's been very innovative with his tactics. Um, he, he's brought in some players which perhaps were sort of journeymen or nearly men elsewhere and turned them into a really fluid attacking unit. And I think much of their success has been predicated on the fact that they don't really have any real stars. You know, the star names that have that have come out of Atalanta in recent years have been Alejandro Papu Gomez and and Josip Bilicic, um, who are sort of elder statesmen of the game nowadays, you know, being 32, 33 years old. Um, you know, they've never been huge on the international scene. They've never really been that big in Syria until sort of the last four years or so. Um, but all in all, Atalanta, they're, they're a very likeable, uh, very attacking, um, fluid, fluid footballing team. Well, let's touch on sort of last season in the Champions League. I think a lot of people, really, their hearts broke for them in the quarterfinal stage last year. That tournament, of course, in Portugal, all of course, as well, I think it sort of comes off the back of Bergamo. And of course, with the, the current global situation we're in and how sort of much of, of a hotspot, unfortunately, Bergamo was in the first outbreak of the virus. Atalanta were there. They got to the Champions League quarterfinal. They were against PSG and all the money and superstars they had they were one nil up and agonizingly so late on conceded two and were knocked out 
I mean, yeah, it was it was a story which was typical of, of Paris Saint Germain. You know, they they underwhelmed, they underperformed throughout their, their their Champions League games, and especially in that Atalanta fixture. And it was the introduction sort of of, of Kylian Mbappe, which brought Neymar to life, and and the, the game just turned on its head. And you felt that as soon as that equalising goal went in, there was only one way that game was going to go, even though there was a, a, only a matter of four or five minutes left. Um, and that wasn't the way that Atalanta fans will, will have wanted. Um, but, you know, like, yeah, last season, they, they, I mean, in the group stage, they had Manchester City and, and, and Shakhtar Donetsk and Dinamo Zagreb in their group. And I wouldn't say that when they came to the Etihad Stadium or, or when City went to, well, San Siro, as it turned out, as, as that's where Atalanta were playing at home last season in, in Europe. Um, I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, you know, Atalanta were... I mean, were, very, were much of an unknown quantity. They were still very unknown, sort of from outside. Um, but the way that Gasparini had them playing, and the way that they kind of went for a bit of a title tilt alongside Inter and, and Juve last season, um, that now they're very much more of a, a, a footballing hipsters club, um, where you know teams and, and fans alike are sort of very, um, very admiring of of the, the way that they're playing at the moment. Yeah, definitely. As you say, they they do really sort of seem to have taken that on. And I suppose what helps sort of with the the hipster images goals, and they scored uh, ninety eight of them last year in Serie. They also conceded forty eight as well. So, I think a lot of people, especially with Liverpool going out to Italy, are saying, "Oh, it's an Italian side. You know what to expect. They'll be resolute. They'll be hard to beat." Probably not the the uh, the team that Liverpool are going to face. No, absolutely not. The you know the the Italian stereotypes. You know the Arrigo Sacchi's four four two. The 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 miserly defenders. You know the the Alessandro Nestas and Paolo Maldini's. The that's not what Atalanta are about. They're very much about uh, attacking fluid football. Um, lots of verticality. Um, lots of. Uh, lots of fast transitions um, and, and lots of width as well. That's one of the key things about uh, Atalanta is that, you know, they, they create overloads uh, in wide areas, which is essentially just um, numerical superiority. So, you know, you'll have a basic 3-4-1-2 formation that uh, Gasparini will set his team up in typically. Uh, and then from there, the players have a lot of freedom to roam from those positions. So you'll have the three centre-halves, um, the two wider centre halves sort of spread very wide, almost like fullbacks, uh, and then the central midfielders will very much push up to join the attacking line. They'll stay up on the attacking line, uh, and and also out, out wide as well to support the wide midfielders. Who it would be it would be incorrect to dis, to to categorise them as wing backs because Hans Hatterboer on the right. Um, and uh, Robin Gussens on the left-hand side. Um, they are, you know, they're very much wide midfielders. They score a lot of goals. Um, they get a lot of assists. And they're, they're, they're a fantastic attacking team. Um, you know, they, the 3-4-1-2 the, the is it's innovative, it's different, uh, and it does catch a lot of teams out. I think if Liverpool are, are sort of expecting a team which are going to be hard to break down, which I'm sure that obviously the coaching side of it, you know, they, they won't be expecting that. They, they'll have done their homework. But if, if any fans are expecting a typically Italian side, um, then, the, then they'll be a very different spectacle indeed. 
Yeah, the game's obviously taking place sort of two days shy of uh, bonfire night, but it does sound like it could be fireworks between these two sides. You mentioned there the, the transitions and how much Atalanta like to commit players forward. Jurgen Klopp, albeit Liverpool, maybe over the last 18 months or so have gone to a more controlled manner of playing. Certainly without Virgil van Dijk, may have to try and contain Atalanta a bit more. But it does feel as though this could be a real spectacle of two sides sort of really going going sort of at each other for blows one one for another yeah absolutely it, it, it has the makings of sort of being this group's heavyweight clash essentially um, because it's two hugely attacking football teams um, who, who who have fantastic wide players um, you know if I, I think that it's important to stress that yes Atalanta are a very attacking team um, they do as you said they scored a a hell of a lot of goals uh, in Serie A last season, um, as well as in other competitions. You know they've started in very much the same vein of form this season. Uh, I think they scored four in each of their first three um, league games, just to accentuate that. But um, you know th- they are beatable. Um, you know th- when they are missing their key players. Um, so say for example, whether it be Gerson's on on the left or Hatibo on the right, they don't seem to have the same sort of um, understanding between themselves. Um, it, if if one of the the three central defenders out of uh, Jose Luis Palomino, Rafael Toloi, or Berat Jim City are, are are out or unavailable, um, you know the likes of Christian Romero or or Sutalo would come in, uh, and they haven't looked as resolute uh, and as confident, you know, starting from the back um, when when they're missing their key players. So I think a lot of the focus will be on, uh, you know, their, their big names, the, you know, the, the Ilicic's, the Gomez's, the, um, the Duvan Zapata's, Luis Muriel. But at the end of the day, Liverpool can beat this Atalanta team if they are not at the races defensively. In terms of sort of you, you speaking about the style there and we spoke about the transition and sort of how a team's been built, for Jurgen Klopp, I know the system's not the same, but is it going to sort of be looking in a mirror and looking back eight years and seeing that Borussia Dortmund team that he had explode sort of onto the European stage, playing in a different way and sort of taking everybody sort of, I suppose, by storm in the way in which they did it? I think there, there are definitely similarities to that Dortmund team and that Dortmund breakthrough, but... I'd say that the one key difference is that this Atalanta team are very much at the end of their life cycle. Um, Gomez, Ilicic, uh, Zapata and, and Luis Muriel, I think, are all 28, 29 or above. Um, I think that their wide players, uh, Hatabo is a little bit older than Gosens, but Gosens is 26, 27. Um, and their, their central defenders, I think a few of them are, are in their 30s as well. Um, so they're very much at the end of that life cycle uh, of of you know, the last four or five years, which they've been building under Gasparini. And this incarnation of Atalanta is probably the best that they have been. Um, perhaps maybe th- towards the end of last season, they were the best incarnation. And the all they could achieve was that quarterfinal run. Um, and that was sort of the, the sum of their parts. But I think that, yeah, there, there are definitely similarities in terms of how entertaining they are, how they capture the imagination of the neutral um, and how, you know, a fortunate run quite last year could quite easily have seen them go to the Champions League final, very similar to how Borussia Dortmund did when, when they were beaten by Bayern Munich uh, in, in 2013, I believe. So, yeah, you know, Klopp, he, he's, I mean, he, he's the, the Premier League champion. You know, he knows how to tackle the different ways that teams set up. But in the same way, 
you know, this is very different to any team that he's come up against um, so far with in, in domestic competition with, with Liverpool. Um, so I think, you know, Liverpool will be up to it, but it will be a test. And I think if, you know, the, de- depending on the, the centre-back situation that Liverpool have at the moment, you know, that could be an area which Atalanta will, will certainly be looking to, to exploit. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. You mentioned Atalanta now then being sort of towards the, the end of their cycle as a team. We saw, of course, Timothy Castagna join Leicester City in the summer. He's made a good impact in the Premier League. Is there any other sort of players within this squad then who may be ripe to sort of be moved on, whether it be the Premier League or elsewhere? Or do you sort of feel as though it will be a case of this squad staying together until it unfortunately sort of runs out of steam? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's the, the concept that, you know, certain footballers can be system players. And I think Conor Cody is, is one uh, at Wolves. You know, if you take him out of that Wolves setup, he's, he's not as good a player. It's just because he's so drilled um, to that setup. Um, I think there is an element of that with Atalanta as well. You know, they don't have any star players. They're, they're, one of their central midfielders, Martin Daron, um, played for Middlesbrough, I think, three or four years ago. And, and by all accounts, wasn't exactly a raging success. But with Atalanta, he knows his role uh, and he does very, he carries it out very well. Um, they've just signed Mario Pasalic, uh, who's a little bit younger, I think 24, 25, from Chelsea this summer after having him on loan for 18 months to two years. And... I think in terms of resale value, there are there are very few that you'd be able to sell for upwards of 20, 25 million pounds or euros, um, because as I say, the, the key the key players, you know, the, the ones who typically would bring in the big bucks are the ones who, like in all likelihood, will either run their contracts down there or will simply, you know, they, they won't simply won't be worth that much money because of because of their age. Um, so, yeah, it it looks as though you know this is either one of, if not the last run, this this Atalanta team can run at it, um, uh, the Champions League in particular. I think with the news that, that Ajax will be missing um, a, a number of players due to uh, testing positive for coronavirus, then Atalanta should be looking at that and thinking it's a golden opportunity to get out of this group alongside Liverpool uh, and, and really make another run for it. But yeah, just back to, to your, your initial point, um, yeah, they in terms of younger players, I'd say it's very much hinging on on the uh, the older figures in this squad who are who are having an impact. Yeah, looking at sort of the the group wide before we focus back on Atalanta, just sort of from a Liverpool perspective, seeing the the opponents they come up against, and it is fascinating that each one of these sort of sides they are coming up against within their own right as sort of I suppose top of class for what they do I suppose Atalanta on the pitch the system they've got Midland with the data and how that's helped them get into the Champions League and Ajax we all know they're fabled for their sort of youth um, recruitment and how they get young players on it is a fascinating group when you look at it from that perspective yeah absolutely and I think it's it's indicative of four clubs who within their certain within their tiers, within their respective levels of what they play week in, week out, they all excel. Um, you know, Midtjylland coming up against Liverpool or Atalanta is always going to be a mismatch. But when you, um, as, as I was saying last week, you know, when you put up their, the, the, the analytical work that they do against sort of the 
the, the, the Bronbys and the Lingbys and New Zealand's and Copenhagen's in Denmark, you know, it does give them that extra edge. Similarly with, with Ajax, yes, of course, you know, they generate a lot more money through playing in the Champions League uh, and, and through player sales, but that's reinvested in, in the, uh, the academy side of things. And that continues to produce young players. I mean, we saw at the weekend, Brian Brobby made his debut for, for Ajax and scored. Um, last weekend or the weekend before, it was Lassina Traore, another striker, um, who scored five goals and got three assists in a game when they won 13-0. You know, there is very much like Red Bull Salzburg from last season. There's a production line at Ajax. And I think with Atalanta, you know, they've got, they're, they're getting the best and arguably more than the sum of their parts out of these aging players. And I think the thing with Liverpool is you kind of mash all of those aspects together and you get a, a small piece of each of them in Liverpool because you've got great young players, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Curtis Jones, but you've also got sort of more more senior figures who are essentially, you know, they, they weren't performing to the level they are at Liverpool now at their previous clubs, you know, Mo Salah, um, Virgil van, van Dijk, you know, they've gone up another another level. Um, and I think that, yeah, there are definitely parallels with each, each team in this group to, to how Liverpool currently are. Yeah, it's interesting that actually, like you say, you, you take a bit of it, you take the, the data of Michael Edwards, what he does, the system from Jurgen Klopp, and as you say, the, the young players who have broken through as well, it is interesting. But in terms of why then Atalanta are more than the, the sum of their parts, do we need to look no further than the coach uh, Gasparini? Because he's, I wouldn't say a nomadic figure in terms of Italian coaching. We know in Italy, of course, there's even less patience than there is in the Premier League sometimes <laughs> for managers, but he's been around a bit. He's been at Palermo, he's been at Genoa twice, uh, into Milan as well, but did he arrive at Atalanta and almost stumble across the ideal players to play in the ideal way that he wants them to? Because I think it was, what, 2010, they were relegated from Serie A. Since he's coming in the four years, they finished fourth, seventh and third twice in a row now. Yeah, I think a lot of the work you have to say is is ultimately down to Gasparini. Um, because like I was saying about Ilicic and, and Gomez, who are the key men in this team, um, you know, they weren't, it's not as though they were sort of star men when they, um, when they first uh, arrived at uh, in Italy. Um, but yeah, Gasparini, you know, he's he's been around the block a few times. He's been as Genoa, as you say, Palermo, Crotone. Um, you know, I think he's been there two, two times each. So you know, in very typical Italian boardroom fashion, um, rehiring a manager who's previously left the club or been sacked just some months later. Um, but yeah, Gasparini over the past few years, I think. One of the things about Atalanta, which is quite at odds with their current team, is that they actually do have a very, very good uh, youth academy setup. Um, so they've, they, while a lot of those players don't always get the stints in the first team, um, like Dejan Kulisevsky went on loan to Parma and did so well there uh, that Juventus bought him from Atalanta before he really had the chance to make an impact on the first team. Same story with Ahmad Traore, um, or Ahmad Diallo, sorry, um, who's just gone to Manchester United uh, this summer. You know, he's played all of four games, I think, for Atalanta, but has done excellently in their, their youth squad. But I think when Gasparini came in, there were players like Giacomo Bonaventura, um, Mattia Caldara, you know, these, these players who... Um, Roberto Gagliardini, who's now Inter, you know, there, there was a strong core of young players who he was able to, to utilise and then sort of pick from various different places among Europe, um, among European clubs of who he needed 
um, to, to really sort of hone this, um, this current setup that he's got going on. And I think the fact that he's brought in the likes of Duvan Zapata and, and Luis Muriel uh, up front, you know, Luis Muriel had been, he's been around the block a lot. You know, he's done stints at Udinese, Granada, Sampdoria, uh, Fiorentina. You know, he's been on a few loans, but it's only at Atalanta where I'd say that he's truly been um, truly excellent uh, because he has been. Uh, and I, I suppose to an extent, similar with Zapata, although he was good previously um, before he joined Atalanta. But I think, yeah, much of the, the credit must go to uh, Gasparini uh, because he is the one who, who who has got the best out of each of these players. It's not just he's been great with the attackers or great with the defenders. You know, he's been great with, with all of them, despite none of them really being any big names per se. Yeah, before we go, I won't ask you for a prediction. I always find those cruel because no one ever seems to win with them. But in terms of how the game then may play out, what are we sort of expecting? Where can Liverpool get at Atalanta? And crucially, as we know, with Liverpool, maybe with that slight weakness at, at centre-half right now, how wary do they have to be that Atalanta will really try and exploit them there? Well, I think because of that, uh, that weakness at centre-half, um, you know, Atalanta are going to come out the blocks very fast. Uh, that's kind of uh, a prerequisite of, of their games. You know, there are often quite a few goals in the first half, whether that's for or against them, I might add. Um, earlier this year, they went 4-0 down to Napoli within 45 minutes. Um, so, you know, there is there is scope to, to beat them um, and beat them early. But, you know, you're not going to beat Atalanta unless you're incredibly fit, if, unless you match their, their level. Um, unfortunately for Liverpool, they are a, a team who can match that uh, and match the intensity. Um, but that is ultimately the most basic way of beating them is that if you if you fight fire with fire, essentially, you know, there's I, I don't think there's there's any credence to say that you know sitting back and and uh, trying to just hold back the tide against Atalanta would work. That I don't think it would. You know, admittedly lesser sides in Serie A last season, um, they you know they attempted that, but there's there's a reason why Atalanta scored seven on three or four occasions in in 38 league games. So you know that. Liverpool just have to play their game. Um, they don't have they, they they don't have to worry about the centre backs because ultimately, if that pervades their thinking too much about going forward, then you know you open yourself up to um, to more cautious and, and less refined home decision making. So, you know, Liverpool must break up Atalanta's system whenever they can and play their own game essentially. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff, Joe. Thanks for joining us here on Behind Enemy Lines. Really, really enjoyed that. No, thank you very much for having me on. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to, to have, have a bit of an in-depth chat. Um, and, and as for that prediction, I think I don't know about a scoreline because you can never can tell with, with Atalanta or Liverpool, to be fair, this season. Uh, but I think it'll be a very entertaining game because there's, there's, there's the, the argument that both teams might cancel each other out. But I mean, I think they've both got too much firepower for that to happen. Yeah, I was looking at some of the results actually very quickly last season. I think it was maybe on no fewer than five occasions in Serie A did Atalanta score five or more. And that can see, that that sort of included putting seven past Udinese, five past Milan, seven past Lecce and six past Brescia as well. But as you say, they do concede goals as well. So hopefully we are in for somewhat of a, a firecracker. Definitely. I think I think it's going to be a great game for, for neutrals. Uh, and I think Liverpool fans will enjoy it as well because ultimately 
for, to win this game, they are going to have to get the best out of their key players. They're going to have to get the most out of the Sadio Mane's dynamism um, and, and Mo Salah at breaking forth and his strength on the ball in, in the final third. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's got all the makings of a, of a bonfire night cracker. Brilliant stuff. Joe Donahue from Scouted Football with us here on Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red channel. So aside perhaps more than the sum of their parts, Liverpool with an equation to work out. Can they do it? Make sure you join us later on here on the Blood Red channel. You can find the debrief on our Blood Red YouTube channel. We will be live there after the game with our post-match reaction, as well as the post-game podcast to come here on the uh, podcast channels. If you can leave us a rating and review wherever it is you get your audio on demand, that is always more than appreciated. But from myself, Guy Clark, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red Channel.